0: Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s.
1: And this week we are discussing Somewhere a Clock is Ticking," the 16th episode of Season 2, which was written by Stacy Ruckheiser, directed by Billy Dixon, and originally aired on the WB on March 1st, 2005.
0: We had a really great time on this episode, didn't we, Jeremy?
1: We did!
0: Yeah, we got to speak with Casey who's another One Tree Hill fan, and he writes reboot scripts that are really awesome, and they basically like continue the show, and we get to hear all about it in the spoiler segment. So for those of you longtime fans, definitely stay tuned.
1: They are really amazing. He sent us some of the PDF files. It's really good. I can't really talk too much about it, because that is spoiler territory, <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> but it's very raw very emotional some of the stuff that happens I was like oh shit so I'm like I would love this if this was in a One Tree Hill reboot
0: and some characters are brought back that are featured in the show like earlier on so that's a really cool aspect as well
1: so if these stories interest you you should check out Casey over on Instagram at After Tree Hill, and we definitely hope you do And this episode, I
0: just want to preface
1: that I was sick and I sound really weird, like, the whole time. Do you really sound that weird? So I haven't actually listened to my pass of the episode yet to edit it. So
0: do you really sound that bad? I think I sound weird, like, at times because... The way I laugh was really weird <laughs> because I was trying not to cough, but, like, all the coughing and all of that has been cut out, so no one has to deal with listening to yeah, that. Yeah, I know you had to cut out,
1: like, a lot of stuff with the coffin and I'm like, oh, I praise you for that.
0: That, that was interesting, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me listening to it again. I feel like I sound really weird, so I'm sorry about that, everyone, but... Listeners, just praise Caitlyn and say, you sound fine, Caitlin. <laughs> As a reminder, this podcast is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody
1: told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe.
0: It's Keith and Joel's wedding day, and love is in the air?
1: Brooke asked Lucas to go as his wedding date, but just as friends. She later admits to him that she's feeling more independent lately and that she doesn't even need a boyfriend right now.
0: Peyton and Jake get intimate right before the wedding. Annie tells Karen
1: he loves her, and she says it back. Oh,
2: yeah, gosh!
1: But there is indeed trouble in paradise. Andy does some ticket on Zan and finds out that he's possibly having an affair with a woman named Emily Chambers, whom he then later finds out is actually Jules. Karen confronts Jules and threatens to tell
0: Keith the truth.
1: When the ceremony begins, Jules doesn't walk down the aisle. Keith runs out and tries to find her, but it's too late. Jules is gone and left her wedding dress behind.
0: In the end, Dan's evil plan worked. He knocks down the groom wedding cake topper and says, one down, one to go, as he looks across the room at Deb.
1: In other news, Haley calls Nathan to tell him that she will be interviewed on TV and that she wants him to watch. Before the interview, Haley is asked to take off her wedding ring, so it looks like she and Chris are a couple. She really doesn't want to, but does it anyway.
0: Nathan reluctantly tunes into the interview, and of course, Chris insinuates that he and Haley are a couple.
1: This causes Nathan to go in a downward spiral He gets drunk and smashes bottles and he's sweated and burns pictures of him and Haley.
0: Deb finds Nathan and gives him money to go get Haley and bring her home.
1: Brooke's excited that her dad has a new job prospect and can soon have money again. Later on, she finds out that her dad got the job, but it's in California and she has to move next week.
0: Lucas sees Deb taking pills and later confronts her about it, but she becomes very upset with him.
1: And finally, Peyton and Jake arrive home with Jenny, and Nikki is there waiting. Oh, shits.
0: Moving to California next week, I'm Caitlin Illinich. Not even
3: knowing if they want a boyfriend right now, I'm Jeremy Rodriguez. (laughs) (laughs) And burning my wedding pictures on the beach, I'm Casey. Oh! Burden your <laughs> wedding pictures on the beach.
1: That's that's really tragic. I'm sorry well, to hear that. Well, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, Casey, thank you so much for joining us. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your One Tree Hill origin story. How did you get into the show? And try to be spoiler-free, if you can. Okay.
3: I first found the show through a friend when I was in fifth grade. Um, I was probably 11 at the time, and... She was watching it with her mom and her sister. And she's like, well, I want someone to watch it with me. So I watched it with her. And we only watched a few seasons. I don't think I fully finished it. And then finally, I came back to it a little later on once I was older. And that's when I kind of started feeling some sort of love for the show. But it wasn't until, like, COVID hit and everything and everyone was stuck at home that I fully, like, fell in love with the show and made my Instagram and then started writing my scripts.
1: Oh, wow. So you like... You pretty much, like, watched the show and then jumped right in, so like, yeah, right in your scripts for the One Tree Hill reboot. Yeah,
3: I hadn't oh, even finished watching this show at the time until I, like, I was writing the scripts before I even finished.
0: Oh, oh wow. wow. That's yeah. so cool. I know the scripts were more recent, but I had no idea that you watching the show for the first time. It was as recent as COVID.
3: (laughs) It wasn't the first time. It was one of my- The first full time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think I had watched the final episode when I had watched it probably a year or two ago before COVID. Because I had watched it in fifth grade and then I watched it again. And that's when I was like, oh, I like this show. And then I came back to it when COVID hit. And that's when I started and got the idea for the script. Oh, nice.
1: Yeah. Wow. So you d- you had more motivation than Caitlin and I did. Like Caitlin and I, t- like we finished watching the show like 10 years ago, and now we're like, you know, we should do something with us. We should make a podcast, Caitlin. <laughs> I know. I don't like- want to take too much credit. I think, Caitlin, you were the one who came up with the idea about the podcast. It wasn't really so much me. <laughs>
0: But, yeah, I guess yeah. I initiated that originally. Actually, <laughs> yeah,
1: you got it dead. But yeah, it took us like almost a decade to do that. Oh wow, I know
0: it was a long time L- L- coming. But uh, I mean, yeah. we talked about it. Not we didn't talk about a podcast for a decade, but we talked about it for no. a few years before we actually started it, and the pandemic accelerated that because we had yeah time on yeah. our hands it- and and whatnot. But I think yeah. that's really cool, Casey, that you like revisited the show through the years. Yeah, like at different points, and then. Your love grew for the show more recently. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Did something with it, like, just like that. Yeah. Like, you know, took us like a decade, and here's KC here. Like, like, I'm going to do something with this right now. Okay. okay. (laughs) Props to you. You learn some motivational factors from KC. Yay. But, KC, we have a very, very, very important question.
2: (laughs) Oh, boy. What is (laughs) it?
1: So, you've listened to the show, you know... I am Team Brucus. Caitlin is Team Layton. So the question is, are you Team Jeremy or Team Caitlin? <laughs>
3: <laughs> um I'm torn, but if I had to lean more into one, I would say Team Brucus.
0: Oh, snap.
3: <laughs> but that's only because I like Peyton with Jake more. So.
0: Oh That seems to be a trend going on here that's... with all of our guests, actually. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I swear I didn't. Know this about K.C. before bringing him onto the show. <laughs> 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 I, swear, can't let sure me not talk it. about this sure. beforehand. I'm literally finding this out organically right now. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. but
0: yeah. You're not the first one. But, I'm in my own little island uh, now at this point. <laughs>
1: has has every guest we've had been team So we gotta find a team late in for you i'm like you know i know like i love people on my side but like i I definitely want to like i I would like to fight against two people instead of just one person (laughs) yeah i think that you're always outnumbered is what i'm saying at
0: least our podcast um represents all sides yes that's good
1: (laughs) But anyway, uh, so this episode is named after the song by Snow Patrol. Somewhere a clock is ticking. And what did everybody think about the song?
3: I think the lyric "I could do almost anything to you" kind of represents Dan and how he is trying to get control over everyone and like trying to start stuff between all of his friends and family and all the people around him. And like we see this with like how he had hired Jules and to break Keith's heart and everything. So.
1: I pretty much took it in the same direction, and the repeated line that, like, really caught me was, I can do almost anything to you, and that just kept getting repeated over and over again, and it's it sounded kind of ominous, it sounded like, like a battle cry, essentially, and I feel like that's a, exactly what has happened with, with Dan, he's like, I can do almost anything to you, and he kind of does, he has the power.
3: Yeah, that's exactly how I saw it.
0: And there's even that line within the song, wage your war, wage your war, and that totally relates to Dan because he he's gotten his revenge with Keith and now he's moving on to Deb, as we see at the end of the episode. Yeah. And I think the title of the song also kinda relates to that somewhere a clock is ticking, like almost time is running out. Like it's a countdown to his next scheme, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I didn't even
3: think of that. That actually makes a lot of sense when you like look at it in the grand picture of how he is with everybody.
0: Yeah, I wasn't really sure about the title of the song originally, but then it started to make more sense. Yeah. And how it was related to Dan.
1: As I always say, I think it's pretty on the nose.
0: <laughs> you have to say which... that every time, don't you?
1: <laughs> I never even noticed I said it until you called it out, but you know, whatever.
0: <laughs> well, it's a trend with the songs. So yes, I'm not going to blame sure. you for saying that. It's yeah. it's a trend. <laughs> and then we also, at the beginning of the episode, we get a Lucas voiceover, which is always lovely. Is it always lovely? What do you mean? I love Lucas's voiceovers. <laughs> anyway, Casey, you don't like
3: yeah. the voiceovers? <laughs> um, I mean, not all of them are great, but I mean, some of them are good.
0: I just like hearing his voice. <laughs>
3: Honestly, I'm biased toward that too. I think he has a very nice
1: voice. It's like nice and soothing. Like I would love Chad Michael to read me bedtime stories. You
2: know?
1: <laughs> yeah. but but like when you actually listen to the words being said, like in this quote, I'm like, what is, what is being said? It's a uh, I think it's a little pretentious. Anyway, Caitlin, read the quote. Tell us, give us your Caitlin's lit
0: crit. <laughs> yeah, I know, Jeremy. We said that before the episode that. The quote is a bit pretentious, and I feel like a lot of them recently have been, actually. And this one is, like, really, really pretentious. But um, do you want me to read it, actually? Yes,
1: please read it.
0: Your reason and your passion are the rudder and the sails of your seafaring soul. If either your sails or your rudder be broken, you can but toss and drift, or else be held at a standstill in mid-seas. For reason, ruling alone, it is a force confining in passion unattended is a flame that burns to its own destruction and this is by Khalil Gibran it's an excerpt from a, a longer poem called on reason and passion so basically I think it relates to Keith because he essentially his sale quote-unquote is broken and he now as it is at a standstill he doesn't really know what to do like his he thought what his life is going to be one thing he was going to get married to Jules and now that's com- completely changed by the course, throughout the course of this episode, and he doesn't really know what to do. So I kind of see him almost being like a lost ship at sea, and he doesn't know what to do at this point, point. Um, and what comes next.
1: Wow. Well, That's my thought. And you said you didn't have much to say about this quote.
0: Well, I managed. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, very pretentious. Uh, there are some parts of the, the quote that I don't really know what it means but there was just like a section that kind of made sense to keith's storyline
3: yeah like when i first like heard it i really can't pick up the meaning from it and like it's still really confusing to me for some reason but i can see how it represents keith in the jewel situation and being left at a standstill and how he's the sail in the boat i guess yeah yeah
1: so, it's like almost like kind of like foreshadowing the events of the episode, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I liked the vibe of the voiceover, like Chad Michael Murray's voice. And you had like the soft background music or whatever. And you had the sail, the sailboat going across the screen. And it was like sunrise or sunset, it looked like. I guess it was sunrise because it was the very start of their day. It had a good vibe, but the words of the quote, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into this episode. Hell yeah.
1: (laughs) Let's do it. So uh Nathan and Haley. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah, this (laughs) storyline.
1: Yeah. Casey, what are your thoughts on this whole like journey that Nathan and Haley have been on so far this season?
3: I mean, it's I don't enjoy it because I always will love Nathan Haley together and just seeing them like going through like moments of heartbreak and like sadness and like confusion it's just sad to me but like i guess it makes sense because they're both still like 16 and they're still gonna make mistakes in life and like i think everyone really makes mistakes but like especially since they're young and don't really have like guiding figures like good parental support in their life that they don't have much help getting through it
2: oh yeah that's
0: for a sure. really valid point <laughs> Cause like obviously Haley's parents are off in an RV somewhere. Yeah. And then Nathan's parents I mean, we love Deb, but like she's a hot mess right now. Yeah. And <laughs>
1: yeah. we'll get into that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Dan is Dan, so there is no support. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I wonder
1: about Haley's parents. Like, is she calling on? Like, do her parents even know that she's on tour right now?
3: Like I've, I
0: have I would love to know that.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, like, what about all of her other, like, siblings? Because, like, we know from in season one that she has a bunch of siblings, but, like, we never hear anyone's reactions besides Taylor. So is she keeping in contact with them, too? Or? Yeah. Yeah, Where is this family? Where are they?
1: They're obviously not in Tree Hill. You know? (laughs) So many questions. But yeah, I mean, Nathan in this episode, Nathan really pissed me off. I feel like he's just being so passive aggressive with like all the information that he's being given. Like the the first thing he says to like Haley when he uh, when she calls him is like to let me stop you from falling in bed with Chris. And then e- even Haley's like, oh, well, what can I do? And Nathan's like, nothing. You just got to live with it. And I'm like, okay, Nathan, what do you want? Do you want to work on this? Like I I found myself to be like really confused on like what did he want? Yeah. At the end of the day, and during the interview when uh. It was obviously Chris who said, oh, the music doesn't lie, implying that him and Haley were a couple. And then later on, Nathan tells uh, Lucas, he said, she said she was
3: with Chris. And I'm like, Nathan, no, 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 she did not say
1: she was with Chris. Yeah,
3: Yeah, (laughs) I, like, noted that too. I was like, you can clearly see that she's, like, not comfortable with what Chris is saying about being in a relationship, quote-unquote, with her and how the music doesn't lie. But, like... How does Nathan not see that she's visibly uncomfortable on camera with him?
1: Yeah, it's almost like he's like uh, filling in all the blanks with his own anxieties and insecurities, but he's not trying to like work on it with Haley. This is one of those things where like if two people just fucking talk to each <laughs> other, the problems would be solved.
0: And I think what we're seeing here is toxic nathan because we know nathan can be toxic yeah see season one you know nathan and obviously he's grown so much since then but he's like reverting back to that and like he's outside of the church and he's drunk and he's throwing the bottles and just yelling keith don't get married it's not worth it or whatever he said and he's just kind of going on and on and i think he punches doesn't he punch dan too Are, are almost, I'm like does that happen in this episode I'm like I feel like that happens every other episode Like there's so many like fisticuffs Going on um but It's just like you're seeing the old Nathan And I know he's dealing with a lot With Haley and he's really upset By it but it's just not the best way to handle It and it's not gonna be what's gonna Bring Haley back acting like This
3: you yeah, know Yeah him acting like a complete douchebag Isn't gonna fix their marriage Like he wants it to so Exactly
1: I know. And I get it. Like, if your mind is going through, like, a bunch of, you're thinking all these things, you have these insecurities, but, like, if you just fucking talk it out, it'll be okay. And Nathan's just obviously not there yet, you know?
0: And based on what you just said, Jeremy, why does Haley not call? Why don't we see that? Haley calling Nathan and explaining, like, why she didn't have her wedding ring on and all that. This could all be solved if they talk to each other.
3: That's a good point, too, yeah. I'm not even thinking about, like, the other side, yeah. I mean, there's only, like, a handful of times we see her call him, isn't there? I think that it's only a few times. And every time that we see it, they're never actually, like, talking about the situation. They're just kind of going around it and dodging it and just kind of arguing with each other.
1: Right. And you're left wondering, like, is Nathan proud of Haley for, like, you know you know doing the music thing because it doesn't seem like he is right now it's so complicated and i get the feel like both of their feelings are all over the place but and
0: i get it's hurtful like i get nathan to an extent because like not seeing her wedding ring on her finger is i can imagine that'd be really painful to see but, but she
1: also called herself Haley James Scott. Mm-hmm. She made sure to enunciate yeah. that in the interview, Yeah, too.
0: You're right. I forgot about that part. The, she did. And Nathan smiled about
1: that. Like, oh, okay. well, she's acknowledging our marriage. Yeah. And then... Chris had to ruin obviously, it. Obviously, <laughs> she's not wearing a wedding ring. It, it's really complicated. But you're yeah. absolutely right, Caitlin. I think it would have been great if Haley called him to clarify all this stuff. To just say, like, hey, it's it's a show business thing. It fucking sucks. Yeah,
0: You never see that in shows, though. Like... The logical thing would be to talk to each other, <laughs> you know, and explain why this happened or, you know, why she wasn't wearing her ring and and how she felt about Chris saying that. Like, she didn't like that. Cle- it was clear. Yeah. She didn't want... I mean, yeah. it wasn't true. They're not together.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Characters in TV shows never actually talk about their feelings with each other, <laughs> so they always just dodge it and they're like, get in a fight. Yeah.
0: Yep. Just to cause the drama. To keep the yeah. show going, I guess.
3: <laughs> yeah. This is just advice for everybody.
1: Just, you know, you have a conflict with somebody, just just fight about it. Talk about it, and then make up. Or decide if you want to make up after that. Like, because not all fights end in a make up, let's be honest. But...
0: Yeah, you gotta talk it through.
1: Just gotta talk.
3: Ugh. Yeah.
0: And it was so dramatic at the end with Nathan burning the pictures. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Come on. You don't do that after every breakup, Caitlin? Because I know I know. Oh, no.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Casey, you know, that was your intro. Yeah, I I mean, (laughs) nowadays it'd probably be more of deleting it and then deleting out of the recently deleted, but (laughs) 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 not just throwing it into a fire, because let's be honest, not many people still have physical copies of pictures anymore.
0: Oh You're my gosh, right. good point.
1: Delete it on your social media. Yeah,
0: <laughs> But see, that <laughs> isn't as dramatic as hitting delete twice, you know? Oh, <laughs>
1: well, yeah.
0: Compared to burning it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Could you imagine, like, actually, like, uh, like
3: developing the pictures just to burn them? Make, like, a big spectacle of it yep. because I'm dramatic. <laughs> or we see him, like, th- just throw his phone into the fire. Just, bye, get a new one.
1: Yeah. Also, like, why did he have to go all the way to the beach to burn the photos? Like, why couldn't he just like rip
3: them up and throw them in the trash? Like, he had to do this whole symbolic gesture. I think it's because it's near where they got married, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, on the beach. I guess you can. Yeah. 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 But again, it's it's going out of your way to make a big symbolic. Gesture. It really is.
0: I <laughs> took that took a lot of effort, you know.
3: And how did Deb find where he was to give him money? Just. <laughs> like, I wondered that, that sale. Like, he thought. clearly didn't text her back after that, or, like, after anything, so, like, how does she know?
1: Because, like, all of these uh, characters are mind readers, and, you know, whenever somebody is going through something, you just know exactly where they're going to be, because that's realistic. Yeah, totally. You know?
0: Because in in oh. real life now, who finds people? You know? You're calling them or texting them. You're not just showing up.
3: Check their location on Snap Maps or something.
0: Yep. <laughs> like, remember, uh,
1: like, last season, Brooke, like, when she, like, told, like, Lucas that she thought she might be pregnant, and she told him, like, she just found him on the river court? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No reason why she would know where he is. And I gotta say, like, watching shows like this really, like, uh, puts, like, an unrealistic expectation on other people. Because you're just thinking, like, oh, I'm gonna mope right here on this basketball court, and somebody is gonna find me. <laughs> oh my god, Yeah. Guess what? I've moped on plenty of basketball courts. Nobody ever came to find me, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, <laughs> shall we talk about Jake and Peyton, a.k.a. Jayton, a.k.a. one of the better couples of the show, Kayla. Yes.
0: <laughs> you know, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I like Jake and Peyton. I do. Even though ah, I'm nice. a Layton fan, I appreciate Jake and Peyton. Okay. That's cool. That's I'm cool. I'm just gonna that's reiterate cool. that because I've said it before. <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway, um, well, just a, just like a random like aside into that, um, how come Jacob and Peyton were invited to Keith and Jules' wedding, but Brooke wasn't? Oh, that's I've... a good. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> like Brooke had to like weasel her way in by like asking Lucas to be his date, but... Why were Jake and Peyton just naturally invited? The only thing I can—the only thing I can say to justify it is like maybe Dan, like because you know Dan orchestrated it to be a big party, like maybe he wanted it to be the whole basketball team. So maybe Jake was automatically invited, then Peyton was just his date. But still, it was just—it was just kind of weird to think that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, we never really see Keith having any moments between Jake and Peyton, and either of them separately. So like, he has no reason to actually invite him them to the wedding.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, like, did Keith, like, watch that whole interaction between Lucas and Peyton last season with, like, first of all, you don't know me. Second of all, you don't know me. The Keith think, like, oh, like, we, sh- we-, we should get to know her. Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah. let's invite her to yeah.
3: I,
0: yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me why they would be invited. At all.
1: Yeah. I never thought about that before all <laughs> this watch, but I'm like, wait a minute, why did she go?
3: <laughs> why did the two of them get to go? I mean, it's always possible that he could have, like, known her dad or something, but... And, like, since he's always not present anywhere, just asked her.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I
3: guess so. I don't know.
1: Huh. I guess we can keep showing... I mean, at the end of the day, the whole excuse was to get everybody together. You know, to get Keith embarrassed at the end of the episode. But anyway, I guess it's just an excuse to get... Jake and Peyton to the wedding because the two of them get all dressed up and Peyton is looking like a girl, which I gotta say, like, the dress is beautiful and everything, and she looks gorgeous because Hillary is always gorgeous, but, like, did she really do anything special? Her hair looks exactly the same as it always does on the show. Her makeup looks exactly the same as it always does. She's just wearing a dress. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I know, but I guess just the fact that she's in a dress and doesn't apply typically wear one?
3: I I mean... I... Yeah, like, what does that really have to do to change anything? She looks the same, except her clothes (laughs) are different and she's not wearing all black. I mean, I think it was... Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. In which case, like, that's something to unpack, like, about the patriarchy and whatnot. Like, oh, you think she's pretty because she's wearing a dress now, Jake? Like, what the fuck? Yeah,
3: that feels a little problematic, but it's okay. We'll pretend not to see it.
0: Yeah, we'll let it go. that's what we do about and a then, lot of like,
1: things i'm sorry but like jake like how he like uh you know after he sees her in a dress he's like it's a good thing we're taking it slow huh i'm like why are you saying that <laughs> <laughs> i know it's supposed to be like a big lead up because the two of them end up having sex good for them. <laughs> like, why do you even say that like it's a good thing we're taking it slow huh and then Peyton's like, "Yeah,"
3: and then does one with them just start naked, out? <laughs> what? I have no idea. <laughs> oh my I goodness! Think,
0: yeah, the way they set that up is like they're gonna be late to the wedding, and they have this moment together. I think it just yeah. adds to the drama. Yeah, you know, right. like they're all going to this big event together, and I mean that song though.
1: It's so iconic. (laughs) Like, I was just about ready to start sending it.
0: Sidewalks. (laughs) It's just the perfect song. And the way they line it up, too.
1: The montage, Uh like, with all the scenes that are going on, not just like. Yeah.
0: uh, Lucas and Brooke, they're together and going on this date, quote unquote. Obviously, there's some feelings there, even though they don't acknowledge that. Uh, So I remember that scene in my head, too. So, yeah, the song just like really. Really fits the moment to me.
3: I think one part that I really, like, noticed and I thought really was good in that moment was the transition from Jake to Keith as he's, like, getting ready and then, like, back or, like, to a different part, how it, like, zooms in on one jacket and then zooms out and it's the <sighs> other. That was just, like, perfect so. editing.
1: Uh-huh. That is really cool. But yeah. yeah. Um, I do think the scene is really, like, fucking adorable between, like, uh, Brooke and Lucas, though. Yeah. How, like, you know, he uh he picks her up at her door, she's like, hi, and he's like, hi, and he's like, you know you look amazing, right? <laughs> and then she just giggles, it's so cute! <laughs> Can't deal with it. Oh, it really is.
3: I don't know, they just have, like, such good chemistry together that it just, like, picks up every time they act. I don't know, I think that's just why I like them so much.
1: Like, I always say, like, it's a, it was a natural love story. Peyton, Like, Peyton and Lucas was, like, always this sweeping romance, and, like, Brooke and Lucas, it's just, like, it's very interesting to see, like, feelings develop yeah, between characters, like, over a period of time, you know? It's really cool.
3: Yeah, because
0: Lucas was always pining for Peyton, and you didn't really get to see that pining, because the show picks up when that's already, like, it's just, that's how it starts. You know, he was pining for years. But with the Brooke thing, it gradually, like, is leading and building to... To what we have not gotten to yet, but you get to see this progression,
1: which is amazing to say. So yeah, I love that whole montage. Um, but I feel like the other thing like we should we really need to talk about is like you know this sex scene is pretty steamy. Yeah, and so like you know I, I feel like when we were all younger, like let's be honest, that sex scene may have like awakened something in all of us and whatnot, <laughs> but. We do need to like you know unpack the fact that this is teenagers being portrayed here, yeah, and I'm sure like when when the, on drama Queens when they get to this episode, I feel like there should be a lot to unpack because there are far like less steamy like sex scenes that they talk about on drama Queens, where like they all thought that this was like like, hey, this is problematic, like I don't like how I'm being portrayed here, so I'm like really curious to see like what Hillary thought of filming this scene,
0: I agree, and I think i said this to jeremy separately i think i've said this several times i think this is one of the steamiest if not the steamiest sex scene in the entire show ever (laughs) without spoiling anything um honestly because i don't feel like one tree hill is pretty tame when it comes to that uh compared to shows now like teen dramas now i think things are a lot different yeah, so it's interesting to me, and I, I agree, Jeremy, I really want to see what Hillary's perspective is, because the directing of that scene, if you pay attention to that closely, it's it's a little gratuitous.
1: Yeah, lots of shots of legs intertwined and whatnot. Even, like, watching this on the WB back and the day, I'm like, the WB got away with this? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> this was the same network that would not, like, allow, like, a lesbian kiss scene on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and they were allowed to show
3: this. Like, come on here. <laughs> It doesn't feel like the brand that the network had at that point, because like, I mean, I never got to experience it, but like other shows I've saw from that era doesn't feel very, don't feel very on brand. And this just feels as if it like completely does like a 180 and just changes it.
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Yeah, for sure. And like slowly over time, we start to see like teenagers get portrayed more like salaciously, I guess, if that's the word, and get put through more like graphic sexual scenes as well as, like, physical or emotional scenes. Like, there's shows like Euphoria or 13 Reasons Why that get into that kind of stuff, and it's very explicit. So I think it just kind of comes with the times. But maybe that was, like, a turning point where they started to see something differently, I guess.
0: And I know, like, the ladies on Drama Queens, they talk a lot of... They compare the show to the OC and how the OC was more... I don't know, risque or whatever, or however you want to describe it. And in some ways, I think yes, but I think they kind of oversell that a little bit. Yeah. I don't, that. I don't think it's that bad. But was the show trying to keep up with the OC? I know the actresses, they talk about that. I don't know, like, in terms of producing the show, like, those are conversations that were had to get to the scene. I'm also kind of curious because it seems like they have, like, the the creator of the show and whoever else i really we don't really know n- names per se of the people who were involved with a lot of the trauma that these women went through in producing the show mm-hmm. but i feel like they targeted hillary seems yeah. like she had the worst of it so i wonder yeah. if like the way this scene was done i'm i'm really am curious to see her perspective on it when, whenever they get yeah. there i mean i
1: think we kind of know why like let's be honest the creator yeah. of the
3: show uh... treated
1: hillary as his muse
0: Clearly had a thing
1: for and her. that went very, way too far. Yeah. You know.
3: I mean, it's apparent, I think, from very, very early on in the show that Hillary was, like, the one that was targeted the most out of everybody. Like, we see it in, like, the episode where they go to the college party and she gets roofied. And, like, just other scenes where they, like, yep. completely put her through all of this stuff that can be emotionally traumatizing, so to speak. So, I think hearing what she has to say about it could open a perspective up or open up a conversation i don't know
1: yeah i'm very curious to see what she has to say because i feel like we're not like the best equipped to talk about like this scene right now yeah maybe it's something we could revisit like later on down the line but Mm -hmm. i mean if they were
0: portraying adults i mean they're they are adults and the the actors are Mm -hmm. but if they were portraying adults you know obviously it would be fairly tame (laughs) you know right yeah (laughs)
1: But these are teenagers. And I still wonder sometimes about, like, sexuality being portrayed, like, by teenagers. Um, I always think about Secret Life of the American Teenager, where they always, like, talk about the fact that they had sex, but they never once showed a sex scene. And I think that's actually a pretty clever way to, like, have honest conversations about sex without being gratuitous about it. Because it's, it's emphasizing the fact teens have sex. Like, sometimes teens will get pregnant, sometimes, like, a bunch of things will happen, like, as a result of sex. But they don't have to, like, show it to, like, prove a point, you know? Yeah. So I wonder if One Tree Hill would be, if it would accomplish the same thing? I don't know. It's it's complicated. I don't know the right thing to say, to be honest. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so. I think it's kind of a, a touchy subject, but... A touchy
1: and... subject.
0: <laughs> and I did not mean that to oh be, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> or, or, or no pun intended. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, <laughs> I had to go there. Keep but, it light. We gotta keep it light here
0: sometimes. <laughs> I just think it is because of what like the experiences that we've heard from Hillary recently.
1: Yeah, I want to keep that
0: you know at the forefront because that's important. Yeah, to highlight.
1: Knowing what we know now, I feel like it's a little bit it's it's different. I feel like if we had this conversation about the scene a few years ago, yo, it's hot. <laughs> but now it's like a little bit. That's a little weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost
3: makes me feel a little, like, uncomfortable in a sense. Uh-huh. Like, because we don't fully know why or what her feelings are on it, but it just makes me uncomfortable. Because of, like, yeah. all of these past experiences. I guess there's just, like, a certain discomfort that comes with it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So when Hillary explains her experience, of course, like, we'll be 100% behind her. Because yeah. that's going to be her experience. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't think any of us are going to try to... yeah. Speak on her behalf in this regard, you know.
0: And we will unpack so. the heck out of that in Royal Review whenever we get
1: there. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> but on a lighter note, though, I really do like how, like, uh, how Brooke can totally clock that the two of them have yeah. sex, which, which she's like, "Oh my god, you guys totally did it!"
0: <laughs> and the cameras are like, going. <laughs> <I love it.
1: laughs> yes, the camera going shoot some right there. Yeah, and then like uh. It's like, Brooke, we're in a church. And then Brooke's like, Well, if I can tell, so can he. And then she points outward.
0: <laughs> oh, and then there was another funny scene, too, when they were sitting in the pew. And Brooke says to Peyton, oh, yeah. I know we're in a church. So blink once if it was good and twice if it was better than that. <laughs> and then Peyton just blinks <laughs> like uncontrollably. <laughs> she bats her just eyelashes. I love those two best friends. I just love that scene. Like, they're so cute, Brooke and Peyton. They uh. really are.
1: That's why we ship Brayton in this house as well. Oh,
0: yeah. I definitely ship Brayton.
1: Hell yeah. Definitely. (laughs) Well, let's move on to talking about the the opioid epidemic. Oh, (laughs) There's. Jeremy. Oh, no. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I don't know why I made a joke out of that because that's actually a really serious issue. So I apologize (laughs) if I offended anybody. But, like,. This, this storyline, I feel like, hits differently, knowing that we're in an opioid epidemic. Uh, let's talk about uh, Deb uh, taking... She's addicted to painkillers.
3: Yeah. Is this the first this time that we nowhere. see anything about it? Yeah. Like... Yeah. It really just was like, she seems fine, and then the next minute we see her doing drugs, so... Completely
1: out of left field, yeah, I think. It's just... Okay, this is news. Yeah. I guess that's... It gives us an excuse to see more of Barbara Brown Woods on screen, giving her, like, a little bit of drama, which I'm like, okay, that's that's cool. To <laughs> so an extent.
0: My question yeah. is, do we really know at this point, and like, the last few episodes, really, how Deb has been doing? I feel like Deb has been in scenes, but have we really seen how she's doing herself with everything? And
1: yeah, well, this comes... Yeah, well, we know, like, at, uh, I think it was two... F- it it was definitely two fourteen because I just edited this uh, a week ago or so. Um, but she comes back, and she has no idea that, like, you know, Nathan and Haley are temporarily broken up or anything like that. She's away on a business trip. That's true. Uh, so she's been, like, sort of, like, in and out. We haven't really seen much of her.
0: So this kind of comes out of left field, honestly, that she's suddenly taking painkillers. But I guess that says a lot about what she's going through, emotionally, yeah. mentally.
3: Yeah. Yeah, like, going forward, like, a little second about how Lucas ends up confronting her about it. Like, I don't think he should have done that because he doesn't actually know if there's a reason or if she's just, like, abusing them or not. Like, something could have happened while she was away and, like, she could have, like, gotten hurt or something and had to get pills. But he just kind of, I don't know. He did jump
0: to conclusions a little.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: like if somebody takes like a bottle of pills. That doesn't necessarily mean that, like, oh my god, they're addicted. Yeah. Well, if someone's yeah, taking right.
0: a bottle of pills, then then maybe
3: yeah, that, that might be a, problem. <laughs> but be a whole bottle. <laughs> you're yeah, taking
0: like, like one or two pills
1: randomly. I. And how did he know that they, the the painkillers were like from his accent? because we end up finding out that, like, um after his accident in season one, the doctor gave uh, painkillers to his mom, and apparently the doctor came to the conclusion that Deb was his mom, which I feel like that would never happen in real life. Let's be honest here. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but also too, like notice the pills are prescribed to Deb. Yeah, but they're not prescribed uh-huh. to Lucas. And how does that happen? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't remember because I'm too old at this point. But like, when you prescribe prescription medication to minors, it still has their name th- on is it. Is the minor's name on the label? Yeah, it still sure has their name on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so... It would have to have your name because you're the patient. You know what I mean?
1: But but then again, I guess, like, maybe, like, that's how Deb started taking painkillers, and then maybe, like, she ended up getting them prescribed herself, which, I don't know, like, how that works, necessarily. Like, how do you get yourself prescribed painkillers when you're not in pain? I I don't think I'm equipped to talk
3: about that. Honestly, I have no clue, so I don't want to, like, speak on it, but...
0: I don't have the answers, either, but...
3: Listeners, it's if you know possible. anything about this, if you're more <laughs> equipped to talk about this, email
1: us always, OTHpod at com, please.
0: <laughs> I think <laughs> that I can't really speak on this either, but there is an epidemic for a reason, and there are shady doctors. <laughs>
3: yeah. You know that stuff.
0: <laughs> so that's
1: ooh, honestly, yeah, that's true, because who knows how yeah. Deb got to them. But. Uh, the fact that it has, like, a, a clear label with her name on it, it just seems... Or she
0: needed kind of... it for something originally, and then didn't need it anymore, and had it around, and now is taking it for a different reason. That's also a possibility.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Anyway, but well, Lucas... <laughs> Lucas confronts Deb, of course, because he always has to get involved somehow.
3: He... He yeah. needs to be the hero. <laughs> I don't even know if this is the right word, but he's definitely, like, an interloper in everyone else's problems. Like, he just... Yeah. He really just goes and inserts himself into everything mm-hmm. and makes everything his business, and...
0: It's like a character an, flaw.
3: <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah. That could be an entirely different conversation for a different time, but... um, I mean, I don't necessarily like that about him very early on, and I feel like he does learn how to, like, not put himself in everyone else's problems later on, but... I don't know. I think that's just, like, one of the big reasons that he's not my favorite person in the world at the start.
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: that's fair enough.
0: <laughs> no, I think that's, that is valid criticism about Lucas's character, and I think it is a bit of a flaw, because he kind of jumps to conclusions, and like you said, he does insert himself. And was there a reason to really confront Deb? And, like, what are you going to do about it, Lucas? You're 17. You know what I mean? Like, it's not your mom. (laughs) It's not your mom. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So let things kind of be. If you continue to see that this is worse, then you can come to someone else. Go to Karen or whatever.
1: Going to Karen would be a good idea. Honestly. I'm like, as soon as she said that, my eyes wide. I'm like, yeah, like, why doesn't he go to Karen?
3: Yeah, Yeah. that doesn't make much sense. Why he just went right to her.
1: Or if he was, like, go to her, like, I almost wonder if it would have been better if he just, like... Talked to her calmly and said, "Like, hey, is everything okay?" I mean, he does say that, I believe. Is everything okay? But he jumps to conclusions and is immediately confrontational, and I feel like that's the problem
3: here. Yeah, he immediately assumes that she's abusing the painkillers and doesn't even know if there's a reason why she's taking them or not. So, right, exactly. So, Lucas, do better.
0: It's pretty typical of him, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but. Let's move on to some happier things because we're kind of going on a roller coaster ride. Yes. We're going from Nellie to Jayton to Deb and her pills now to Andy and Karen. <laughs> yeah. Andy tells
1: Karen, I love you. And it all gets kicked off because the two of them we're talking about oh, still think this looks weird. Which, you know, Caitlin, like, do you want to go on your tangent about their age difference again? Or have we said that enough? I don't know.
0: I think we've said it enough, but like, it's so annoying. They don't look different (laughs) in age. If they wanted to have that as a plot point in the show, then actually pick an actor that looks older than the other one. Uh, (laughs) What are your thoughts,
1: Casey? Or this case looks
3: younger than the other one because, you know, Karen was already cast at this point. I mean, I think the big problem with trying to find someone that looked younger than her would have been, like, making sure that they don't look like they're the same age as Lucas because... Let's yeah. be honest, all of the teenagers look like they're only a few years younger than the parents. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: uh, they all look like they're within the same decade of age. So,
0: Yeah, if, if they you try- think about it real hard, it didn't pay attention to that. <laughs>
3: if they like, if they tried to go much younger, it would probably just be weird and creepy.
1: Yeah, honestly, I feel like even like, you know, Maria Menounas, who plays Jules, I feel like she could even play like one of the teenagers, to be honest with you.
0: She wasn't much older than... The you girls, know, if they, they like, age her down
1: them. a little bit. Like, you know, get, like put her in, like, t-shirts and shit like that. She's always, like, pretty elegant, very grown-up mm-hmm. in her dress and everything like that.
3: I feel like they you probably know. did that on purpose, because they probably knew she looked like she could have been their age, and they're like, okay, we gotta make yeah. her look like she's an adult. <laughs> business professional.
0: hmm
1: In real life, she was only a few years older than, like, yeah. Chad and Sophia and
0: Hillary <laughs> and yep. everybody. Ugh. But that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cuz we could go on and on about that. I thought yeah. I thought the scene was really cute. And Yeah. I love that Andy Andy was like, you know, you don't have to say anything and then Karen says about. I love
1: that. I absolutely love that. Cuz
0: it gave her space to like respond if she wanted to.
1: Yeah.
2: Cuz
0: like when you're saying that to someone for the first time, the other person might not be ready to say it. And there's really like you shouldn't really be offended by that. Everyone kind of comes to their own feelings at their own time. Mm-hmm.
3: So I love He'll that he, her own Yeah,
0: I love that he gave her that space, but she she felt the same way anyway and was able to say it. So yeah. it's just yeah. really sweet. She says,
1: I love you too. And I love that quote. He says, I love you. I love your minds. I love your heart. I love pictured our future together. I mean, I, I hate the thought of you ever not being in my life. I wrote that down as an honorable mention for favorite quote. Not my favorite quote though, but yeah. It's just, it's adorable, but we've unpacked the problematic aspects of their relationship because of being a teacher and whatnot, but I still like them together, as long as, like, we can address this is not okay in real life.
3: It's (laughs) not, but they're still so cute together. Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) And I think they're compatible, too. Yeah. Like, they're not only cute together, but they're, they are compatible, and I can't even really explain why, but I feel like they work.
3: I think it's because they're both mm. business-driven, and that they yeah. both, like, own businesses, and that that's something that they're able to relate with each other, and I think that's kind of what brought them together, sort so to speak, like, not actually, but, like, you know, the connection-wise.
0: Mm-hmm. It's their passion. It's, like, a shared passion.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're able to balance each other out and, like, give each other emotional space, like, not just in... Not just in this episode, where he's like, hey, you don't have to say anything back. I was just being honest and saying that I love you. Mm-hmm. You you do what you want to do, boo. But then also, like, their conflict styles, too. Like, in previous episodes where they had conflict, they come to a reasonable conclusion. Because these two actually do talk to each yeah. other. <laughs> when something is bothering them. And it's great.
0: Well, aside from that storyline when... <laughs> a few episodes ago. <laughs> which About one? the, um woman in his apartment
1: Uh,
2: yeah that that was stupid but we already
0: i won't go into that again but
1: yeah karen kind of jumped the conclusions without talking to him yeah Yeah. that was
0: dumb uh but everything else they seem to have good communication and i I feel like neither character has baggage that they're bringing to the relationship like they just seem reasonable level-headed people you know
1: yeah for sure Whereas, like, you know, Keith and Karen, like, let's be honest, the foundation of the relationship was based on an unrequited love mm-hmm. <laughs> everything that he held in for 17 years. And that's
0: baggage, There's, you know?
3: Yeah,
1: that's baggage, yeah.
3: Yeah, and then how, instead of talking it over with her, Keith and Karen, he just kind of jumped the gun immediately and just went and decided to make a move on it, so...
0: And propose, you propose. mean? yes Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah, they weren't on the same page ever. I feel like Andy and Karen are. Yeah. So. Yes. That's a great thing. So that was a really positive part of this episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we like eh?
0: <laughs> Is that? Did you just make that
2: up?
1: I feel like I've said it before. I don't. I don't know. Did I? Love I? That.
2: No, I don't remember
1: that at all. <laughs> It's just so sweet and to the point. It's sweet. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, I love Andy and Karen and I do love uh, Karen and Keith as well. It's like it is complicated. Oh yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, I was definitely rooting for Karen and Keith. But I can yes. see like why Karen and Andy work too.
1: For sure. Can we talk about another couple that I really love though? <laughs> Even though these two aren't a couple, they're just, you know, they're, they're just hanging out. They're just being friends. It's fine, you know? Uh huh. <laughs> We're talking about Brooke and Lucas. <laughs> they go to the wedding together. Like we didn't and know. <laughs> it is adorable.
3: <laughs> they're so cute together. Oh my gosh.
1: I don't think this episode is focusing so much on their relationship, though. I really feel like a lot of it is focused on Brooke asserting her independence. Like, it starts off with her being so excited that her dad is interviewing for a job. She she can do almost rich girl things, quote unquote. And then we see that she started up at ZW.I, which was Uber before Uber, <laughs> as we've said yep. in previous spoiler <laughs> segments. Um you know, and that's what that's what ends up getting used to bring Nathan home from the wedding, because he gets completely shit-faced. And it's really nice to see. And she even says to Lucas that she's talking about her relationship with Felix, and she's like, I don't even know if I want a boyfriend anymore. I'm starting to feel more independent. And it was just really cool to see, honestly.
0: And I think that really represents what we've seen about Brooke recently. Like, we've seen her become more independent. She's become class president, and she's not really around Felix that often, recent in the yeah. recent episodes. So like, you really are seeing her by herself, on her own, doing her thing. Yeah, without a man, <laughs> you know. So yeah,
1: she's not as dependent on a man as I feel like she was in season one when it was like it was the end of the world when herberg when her and Lucas, <laughs> when when her and Lucas are gonna break up. <laughs> yeah, it was uh was a whole thing, whereas she, she's not dependent on Felix right now. And that's really cool to say for Brooke. I love it. I love the journey for her. Yeah,
3: this is definitely the season where she starts being more of her own character and not just a character that, like, bounces off of the other characters. Like, in season one, she would bounce off of Brooke, not Brooke, Peyton or Lucas's dramas and stories, and that's how her stories are made. But this is when yeah. everything starts to, like when her stories are more based in her character
0: oh yeah. i love how you said that i was perfect i, I completely yeah. agree
3: <laughs> yeah that's that's completely that's 100
1: percent true because i feel like this is like the season where most people say brooke is my favorite character i know she became my favorite character when i watched this season for the first time like way back in the day and it's not that I didn't like her in season one, but, you know, Caitlin, you and I talked about this, like, as we were, like, navigating through season one. It was, it was pretty complicated to try to talk about Brooke, because we could not know what we know. We knew that she turned out to be, like, one of the greatest characters on television. And yes, I'm saying that right now. Greatest characters on television.
3: I'm not disagreeing.
0: <laughs>
3: I know. and Thank you. And we said in
0: season one, like, obviously, as much as we love Brooke and who she becomes, she's one-dimensional or more so one-dimensional in season one than she is in any other season, you know? And I think it has a lot to do with what you said, Casey. Like, her storylines were associated with the other characters. You didn't really get to see a storyline like her running for class president like we just saw. You know, that was all Brooke. It had nothing to do with anyone else.
3: I mean, I feel like Brooke was originally written as, like, the best friend character, where she was going to be completely dependent um everybody else for storylines yeah and then i feel like enough people spoke out about how much they liked her character that the network was like okay we got we got to fix this a little bit yeah
0: and i'm sure sophia bush had a big part of that oh you yeah know? like sophia bush was awesome and i'm sure she wanted brooke to be a great character that stood on her own and i i'm assuming she fought for that too
1: definitely yeah as we know on drama queens like these actresses like really advocated for themselves
0: it really fought for the material they were given. And Down to the clothing that they wore, yeah. you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: It's really cool to hear those stories on drama queens.
1: Yeah. It can be a sad podcast to listen to sometimes. Because you're like, oh God, like this is something you want to remember. Yeah, there are <laughs> but... there are
0: definitely tougher moments to, to hear, but it is nice to see like the behind the scenes, like the choices that they made in yeah. clothing style and just like really specific things that like made the show what it was or made the scene what it was so
1: because it's very it's empowering i feel like to hear some of their stories about how they really fought and advocated for themselves like that's that's exciting and there's some people who say they don't they don't like listen to drama queens because of it makes them too sad but i don't know i feel like the message is very hopeful
3: at the end of the day i mean those are the experiences they went through their entire time on the show they always had to be fighting for what they would wear their storylines, what they said what they did and like them talking about the show they have to talk about it almost
1: exactly it's just an honest like reveal of their behind the scenes experience
0: it wouldn't be true to their experience if they didn't share like the full scope of it you know the negative and the positive not every show is going to be perfect (laughs) one Tree Hill is not the only show where, like, actors had a tough time and, yeah. and movie sets and all of that, you know? So, like, I think it's bringing attention to some important conversations that need to be had. At the same time, we are getting to see how their friendship developed. And we're, we're getting to see, like, their friendship now, these three ladies. And it's just, I don't know. I love it. <laughs> I love the three of them. And yeah. their their whole, like, energy and chemistry and all of it is just... It's a great vibe.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Love them so much. And I want to drink
0: a glass of wine with Joy. (laughs) I know, right?
1: (laughs) I still say that all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, her and her cocktails.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. She's so funny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So cute. Uh,
0: All right. I guess we're ready for the main event. (laughs) This is like whiplash. (laughs) We're like, let's. Sad stuff. Happy stuff. Yeah.
1: Depressing stuff. Yeah. Happy stuff again. Now depressing stuff.
0: <laughs> I know it really is a roller coaster today.
1: Woo. So we find out about Emily Chambers.
0: Great timing, Andy. The day of the wedding.
3: Yeah, as if he couldn't oh. have found it earlier. I know. <laughs> oh my god! And what
0: I find so- funny though. Is that you know they're getting married, but we had no idea. I mean, I guess if you watch this in real time and you saw the previews, that you knew that the next week's episode was going to be the wedding, but there's no clue in the previous episode that Keith and Jules are getting married in the next episode. <laughs> it just kind of happens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like oh, I remember the promo for this Jules's episode wedding.
3: the wedding.
0: I know, just suddenly it's the wedding. There wasn't a lot of lead up yeah. to it other than them getting engaged.
3: Yeah, it just kind of comes out of Happen. nowhere.
0: That it does. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> they got married after what, like two months of dating, or something yeah. like that. Like, I, cause, cause who knows the timeline? We're not gonna, we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole no. for the third oh million time.
3: <laughs> I've tried to figure it out, and you just—it's hard to do.
1: <laughs> Casey's like, I listen to your show. Like, please, let's not be more right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. There's no, there's no. uh clear timeline that I think we could ever come up with. But one thing I want to mention about the wedding is one of the places that I saw in Wilmington. Oh. And I have some pictures that we'll post on social media of the church outside of the church that Keith and Jules are married at. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I have some different angled shots. (laughs) And I can't really remember exactly where it was in Wilmington Um, because this was was like the first trip that I took with Jenna, my best friend. And...
1: Did you get drunk and, like, uh, like crash a wedding and throw a bottle? And be like, love is a lie. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah, I did that, Jeremy. <laughs> I, I can see that. I can see you doing that. <laughs> I, absolutely
3: not.
0: Absolutely if not. If I remember,
3: I think it's, like, right off of the one of the main streets.
0: So you did don't see remember. it, too?
3: I saw it. It was raining most of the time I was there, but. Oh. So I couldn't get out of the car, but I remember seeing it.
0: Yeah, it's cool. Wow, that's um, awesome. It's actually used later on in the series too, which I won't give any of that away. But, um, thing, but <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> all right.
1: Okay.
0: In the spoiler segment, we can talk.
1: Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But, um,
0: <laughs> yeah, it was just, it's so cool to see because that's not like, a location that you see often, so it was cool to see this episode again. I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that it took place at this church." And I had, and I went yeah. digging yeah. for my pictures. um Yeah,
1: the exterior is very beautiful. Mm-hmm. I noticed that like the few times when you saw like the exteriors of the church, I'm like, "This this is pretty."
0: <laughs> it is, I and mean, there's like a whole like walk covered walkway area yeah. too that you can kind of see in the episode. But I took pictures of that. Yeah, yeah. So it was neat. Oh, that's awesome. that's my little side wow. tangent.
1: Oh, cool. <laughs> Well, one day I hope to go and get drunk and crash (laughs) a wedding, because that's why I go... I I, I wouldn't, like, ruin somebody's wedding. When I crash a wedding, oh, hell yeah, because get all that free food, yeah. But, (laughs) but, like, I'm not going to actively ruin a wedding. I will crash a wedding now, that's completely fine.
0: (laughs) Um, Oh, you're too much.
1: (laughs) Anyway, so... Andy finds out from his uh, private investigator, not a hitman, as we talked about in the last episode, Caitlin. Or two episodes ago. I don't know at this point. Yeah, not not a hitman. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's just a private investigator who finds out information about Dan having an affair, quote unquote, because he's like bankrolling somebody. And then they find out like, oh shit, it's Jules that he's bankrolling. And then... Karen confronts her, and I'm like, Karen, she could have confronted her way better than this, I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did notice about when they confront each when, like, Karen confronts Jules, is that, like, when she slaps her, the sound effect is so, like, off from the action. Like, if you really pay attention, <laughs> you can, like, see that, like, she's already made contact with her face, like, when you hear, the sound plays after you see it. Like, right after.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I did not notice that.
1: I think that slap is iconic in many ways, because, let's be honest, soap operas and slaps, like, oh, they're yeah. just, they're fun to say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's campy shit, and I will always eat it up. But <laughs> in, a, in a real world situation, did Karen really have to do this? No, She's like, let me help you with that, Emily.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: so fucking petty.
3: <laughs> I used those exact words when I, like, made note of it. Oh, my gosh. You said it was I petty was like, as oh, well. my God, she's so petty here.
1: Again, it's really fun to say on TV. You're yeah. like, oh,
0: shit. <laughs> Hell, yeah. <laughs> she's got you, Emily Chambers. In this moment, though, how else would you approach it? <laughs> like, a, a literal <laughs> wedding is about to happen, and Karen doesn't want, like, Keith to be, you know, involved in all this. I don't even know what the best yeah. way to approach Jules at this point because the timing is so awful.
1: <gasps> why Why did Karen have to be the one to approach her? Like, why couldn't, like, Andy come in and be like, Hey, uh, we're doing some
3: digging into Dan, and we found this. What the fuck is going on, girl? <laughs> I mean, I think that could have been another way for Karen to go about it, too. Yeah, yeah, or
1: that, too. Like, maybe take the take the papers and whatnot and...
3: Just be like, hey, uh, we've been digging stuff up. Here's this we found. Yeah.
1: And it's not like they were taking it to her either. It was just completely circumstantial. that they found information on her, you know?
0: I know. And also, like, why didn't Karen just go right to Keith? Why even approach Jules? Why not show the evidence to Keith? Why have Keith up at the altar with the whole audience there? And Karen and Deb even walk down the aisle. It's just like, how do you knowingly do that? I feel like Keith needed to know.
3: Yeah. I mean, someone probably should have told him, too, when she... Confronted Jules about it. But again, it's probably just the dramatic effect that these kinds of shows go for. So,
1: yeah, definitely. I don't know what the right thing would be to do, honestly. Like, going to Keith or going to Emily first. Like, I don't, I I have no idea.
0: I feel like Keith is the one who needs to know. And then he needs to go to Jules and they need to talk it out.
1: Or maybe, like, maybe go to i'm just referring to her as emily if that's that's her real name right now um but like uh maybe if karen like what karen did go to emily and say like hey i want i want keith to know who you really are and that's great and maybe that's how i feel like it should be done in the most sensitive way because you know yeah emily should tell keith the truth of course but maybe in the confrontational aspect of it like she completely like karen completely scared Jules away maybe this wasn't the best way to deal with it
0: I know, because then, like, Karen leaves Jules and continues on with the wedding. I don't really understand it. It was like, she told Jules that, Jules says that she still, you know, she loves Keith for real, and then it's like we're kind of cut off from, like, how that conversation really ended.
1: Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just ended on, like, a dramatic note. Like, Karen just said, she just trusted her, like, okay, like, you actually love Keith. But maybe she should have reassured like, maybe she, maybe she should have reassured her and said, like, okay, okay, I believe you. Instead of just walking away in this dramatic
3: fashion. Yeah. I
1: like,
0: guess. I don't I know. know. It's just a mess. And then, of course, the wedding gets started, and then Jules or Emily doesn't show up, like, in typical fashion, right? <laughs> in these types of ways. Andy just
1: shouts, like, I'm sorry, she's gone. And I'm like, Andy, come on. Like, you do not have to announce that to everybody. Maybe say it quietly to Keith and say hey, she's not coming, um, what do you want me to say? (laughs) Instead, yeah, she's not coming, and then,
0: oh! How embarrassing is
3: that? Yeah. Also, like, why was Andy still over there? Like, was he supposed to walk her down the aisle then? Because, like, because- I
0: don't know, that's a great question. Because, like,
3: if he, he was just there as a guest, he should have already just been sitting down.
0: Oh my gosh, you're right.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and also, why is there so many guests at the wedding? Like- usually it's both the bride and the groom but like clearly she's trying to hide her identity so people she wouldn't know wouldn't be there yeah she doesn't have any family that's 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 a line in the episode like oh jules doesn't really have any family yeah and like keith obviously (laughs) doesn't know that many people like that's probably like the entire town of tree hill if we're being honest
0: i know and didn't Uh, they explain away why keith's parents weren't there
3: yeah, they were on some, like, safari thing.
0: Safari, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yes. his parents aren't even there, but who are all these other people?
3: Yeah, just oh my gosh. random people from the town. Oh my
0: god. <laughs> if you really think hard about a lot of these details, it's, well, there's a lot of inconsistencies, for sure.
1: <laughs> but anyway, um, one thing that I noted about this whole thing... Is that toward the, toward the wedding march, when the, here comes the bride, like, song starts playing, you notice, like, everybody is, like, looking out the door to see Emily slash Jules, like, walk down the aisle, but Dan is looking at Keith and everybody else the entire time. Like, you notice he never turns around. So there, there had to been something within Dan that knew something was going to go wrong.
0: I mean, this was his whole plan. He knew how it was going to yeah. go down, and he made it happen. I mean... Jules started to show her real self that she did love Keith, that she didn't want to do the scheme anymore. Dan knew all of that. He still pushed. And I feel like Jules is made to be even more vulnerable. So, like, I feel like just Dan knew it was going to happen, that she wouldn't be able to go through with it. Yeah. Because he, he yeah. made her feel guilty, too. It's like, either way, you're going to, exactly. if you tell Keith now, you're going to hurt him. Or if you don't tell him, then I have the power and I could tell him at any time. So, like, she's in a terrible position.
3: Yeah. yeah. He showed up at her apartment and said that, Danny. Yeah, I think so. Because, another note, it's a little side tangent. there's
1: something blue, remember?
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> little side tangent
3: there. You can definitely tell that that's Lucas's house, 100%. That they just use it and change the door. Oh, shit! Oh! <laughs> I'm, like, picturing to seeing it in my mind! <laughs> like, you can see it in the background from Dan when he's, like, standing there outside. You can, like, see where the house is shaped, and then you can see, like, the sidewalk and, like, the poles and the coloring and everything.
0: Oh, wow. You have a point. I would need oh. to rewatch that now. Huh.
3: Oh, that's funny. That's a
0: good side tangent. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> this is why it's great to have guests on here to, like, point out the things that Caitlin and I just never uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I definitely think Dan, like, somehow knew that something was going to go down. I don't think we'll ever know the answer to this, because I just don't remember if we ever find the answer to this. But like, it always makes you wonder if, like, Dan made the information about his uh, connection with Jules, did he make it easy to find? So Andy could, like, Andy's investigator could easily find the information and then go from there.
0: Huh. That is
1: possible,
3: yeah.
0: I don't think we ever get the answer to that. But Jules is gone. I feel so bad, because she's crying in the car. And I know she kind of brought this on herself. Like, she didn't have to get involved in something like this, but I do feel bad still. What about you guys?
3: Yeah, I definitely feel bad, because, like, she definitely did really fall in love with him, and those feelings were definitely there. And she had told Dan and everyone that she didn't want to be a part of that anymore, and, like, that she didn't feel that way. And you can see that she genuinely had feelings for him.
1: Yeah. I always thought that jules genuinely did fall in love with him yeah so did i like even from the big reveal in uh 210 when when dan's like oh just like we planned jules i can tell like jules has found conflicted during <laughs> that entire interaction yeah it's really sad and then keith is like going to look for her and oh
0: i know it breaks your heart
1: but shall we talk about this uh lovely coda to the song now that you're now gone that by that Ryan
0: adams gone. Oh, (laughs) i know it's like the perfect (laughs) repeating lyric you know now that you're gone but
1: the coda opens with a shot of a piece of paper in the trash with the opening of lucas's speech remember tonight for just the beginning of always
0: Uh, first off i want to say because the whole um speech is shared at the end of the episode
1: Yes, it is. I didn't write down the whole thing, though, because I, I, again, I thought it was pretentious.
0: Oh my gosh, same thoughts. I was like, this is really deep, coming from a a teenager for adults getting married. You know what I mean? Like, this doesn't even sound like the tone of... I don't know. It was very pretentious. It just didn't really fit. I would get bored listening to
1: this speech. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's beautiful. Like, with the shots and, like, with the whole entire coda, it is beautifully sad. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like if you were hearing this at a wedding, I'd be like, oh, my God, you were so sappy.
0: Yeah, it was really. It was something. Next, are on the beach, and Nathan is burning his and Haley's belongings. We already talked about how dramatic this was. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Keith storms in and shouts for Jules, only to find her wedding dress lying on the chair.
1: And then we go to Jules' car, where she
0: cries. <laughs> Very upsetting. And then we're back at the church. Karen, feeling guilty, tells Andy she needs to see Keith.
1: Which, like, thinking about that, like, it, it almost makes you wonder if, like, Andy is feeling some type of insecurity yeah. about that whole thing. Yeah. Because the, the two of them just confessed that they loved each other, and now Andy's like, oh, and now she's gonna to go to Keith. Yeah,
3: like, now she's running away to the guy that- Definitely has feelings for her, and she definitely felt something for him at some point. Yeah. Yeah, that just...
0: But at the same... At the same time, though, she... I mean, he needs some comforting teeth right now. Yeah. And I feel like Karen will just naturally be there for him, and I don't know if Andy has to think otherwise, you know?
1: Yeah, I I, I feel like Andy, like, logically, he would come to the conclusion, like, no, this is okay. Yeah, Because I feel like Andy's a reasonable guy,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but I can understand like if his like his knee-jerk reaction is to be insecure about yeah. it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm.
3: And then next, we're still in the church, different area. Dan chuckles and pours himself a glass of champagne. Looks at the wedding cake with the flick of a finger. He knocks down the groom cake topper as he says "one down." He gazes at Deb from across the church and says "one to go" and smiles. Deb smiles at Dan, knowing nothing of his plan. She leaves as Dan laughs menacingly. It's so creepy. (laughs) It felt like one of those, like, villain things from, like, old movies from, like, the 50s and 60s where, like, Uh it slowly will zoom in and, like, you just, like, have them laughing as, like, they're planning. Maybe that was done on purpose, but...
1: Maybe. It's so dramatic, too, like, the whole knock-it-over of, like, the groove on the cake.
0: (laughs) And then conveniently gazing over at Deb. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god.
1: Yep. Which implies, like, one to go. Like so he has a plan for yep. now. Yeah. But then we go to the front of Peyton's house, where Jake and Peyton take Jenny out of the car and tease the baby girl The say dada. And yep. I feel like it should be noted that like throughout the episode, the two of them are so fascinated with the facts, like, oh my god, she said dada, she said dada. But then it culminates in this episode. Instead we hear Jenny say mama, and the three look off into the distance. And we see Nikki step out of the fucking shadows, and that is such an iconic me. <laughs> Dramatic
3: gasp, 100%.
1: percent <laughs> uh-huh. She's back. <laughs> That's how I emerge out of the shadows all the time. <laughs> like, just like that. I always, like, aspire to be just yeah. like Nikki. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. You knew she had to come back, you know? Oh, uh, it's so good. I can't wait. And then we are on the beach. Nathan continues burning his belongings, and then Deb arrives, gives Nathan a stack of money, and says, Go get Haley. She's your wife. Which, that was a really sweet moment. Yeah. Between those two. I didn't like that
1: moment. I mean, how she found Nathan? Yes. uh, Beside the point. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And then we go back to the church. Brooke gets off the phone with her dad and tells Lucas that her dad got the job but It's in California and they're moving next week. Lucas asks, What are we gonna do? and Brooke cries into his shoulder.
1: Uh, what's gonna happen, Brooke? Everything was going so well with Brooke. Wait, yes.
0: I know.
1: We can't have Brooke leave. She can't go to California. No. But we can't talk about that yet. No, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about some of our top uh, favorite moments. What was everybody's favorite quote? Casey, why
3: don't you go first? Um, I have a few, like, runner-ups, but I think that yeah. my favorite would have been when Deb went to Nathan on the beach and she said, make sure you find that kind of happiness I can barely remember. And, like, I feel like she's trying to make amends with him in, like, slow progression, but also trying to just, like help him feel better about the situation he's currently in. And I don't know, that just like oh, my heart. Yeah. That's one yeah. of my
0: runner-ups that too. Good... I like that one.
1: That's a good that was a good one. that to the two of them do
3: that. Yeah.
0: Cause they're both they're both kind of like in a dark place right now. So I think Deb can kind of relate to what Nathan's going through.
3: Yeah. Um that was my main favorite, but then my other two One is more, like, lighthearted, and it was when Brooke said, come on, love triangles are so last season. I just thought that was really funny because of how, like, points back at the past seasons and kind of makes fun of it.
1: Yep. And then... Like, literally the last season of the show. That was the entire basis
3: of, like, every plot that Brooke, Peyton, and Lucas were in was always just the love triangle. It was never, like, a friendship that they had. So I feel like that's kind of Brooke's way of, like, poking fun at who she was earlier on.
1: Yeah, that's a a a subtle nod. I like that. Yeah,
3: and then my last one was just the start of Lucas's speech at the end. The remember tonight for it is the beginning of always, and that just kind of like hit my soul a little bit. So, yeah, yeah.
1: Sorry, we made fun of that. No, it's
3: okay.
0: (laughs) The first line is nice. The rest of the speech, though. (laughs) Yeah, that's where (laughs) it was a little like like, whoa. Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, the first line was nice.
3: It was so
1: cute,
0: so my favorite my favorite quote was the one that I read earlier, but I'll read it again just because I think it's funny. Go ahead. this is Brooke to Peyton when they're in the church pews. I know we're in a church, so blink once if it was good and twice if it was better than that, <laughs> and then Peyton <laughs> is just blinking over and over again, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I already voiced why I loved it because I just love their friendship and yeah. like.
1: The bat of her eyelashes. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's just really cute. I always remember that scene from this episode, so. What about you, Jeremy? Um,
1: My favorite quote is actually from Whitey, who we didn't even, like, really talk about, because Barry Corbin never gets enough screen time, (laughs) and there's never an organic time to talk about him. But anyway, he he sees uh, Nathan in the liquor store. He's like, they're both buying some alcohol. Whitey says, look, son, you took a big risk, and I admire you for that. But it's easy to be happy when things are going well. Marriage is about making it through, staying together, even when things turn to crap. And I I just like that quote just because I feel like it's very inspirational. Like, whenever, whenever there is a problem, the two of you have to talk about it and work through it. Yeah, there are some, like, deal breakers in relationships, of course. But you gotta know the difference sometimes. And Nathan Haley, the two of them just need to talk.
0: Yeah, I really love that so, Uh, conversation between them, too, Jeremy. I'm glad you pointed that out. It was funny. Casey pointed out the one with Deb, what Deb said to to Nathan, and then you pointed out the way... I both, like... I liked both of those a lot. There there were some good ones in this episode, like funny and, like, serious at the same time.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nathan just had, like, you know, all the authority... all the positive authority figures in his life. I mean, positive, for the most part. We can say about Deb. I don't know. But... (laughs) but... Yeah, he heard like really good pieces of advice. I think from both of them.
0: So musical moments.
1: Sidewalks my story. Of year, <laughs> yeah, hands yeah. down.
0: I mean, how could it not be?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like a coda, but it's not a coda. <laughs> like basically, like the way the scenes like structured and everything.
0: It really was, cause like we said earlier, it was the montage of scenes with a bunch of the characters. I mean, primarily it played with the Peyton and Jake scene, but, like, you also saw a bunch of the other characters leading up to the wedding, and I just thought it was, Yeah. I don't know, it really gave it a vibe. Like, you were anticipating the wedding, you know, in yeah, those moments. for sure. And I would say, favorite song and moment. I know we don't do songs specifically, Jeremy, but
1: <laughs> yeah. if we
0: were, I, I just love that
1: one. It's a good song, yeah. I used to have this on repeat back in, like, the early 2000s. But my rating for this episode, I give it four out of five unnecessary slaps. <laughs> Cause it's it's a very entertaining episode, but like, you know, there are some issues that we've unpacked throughout the discussion yeah. that, you know, could have could have went away.
0: I also give it four out of five runaway brides. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say it's a decent episode. I think it's like a standout episode of the season. Because it's like it's one of the bigger ones because it's the wedding. Yeah, but yeah, like you said, we pointed out some issues, but overall, I really liked it because I think it it keeps me. Right. It has humor, it has drama, and it kept me entertained the whole time.
1: For sure. What about you, Kase?
3: Well, um, I was gonna say four out of five, but Caitlin used the exact same one I was gonna use, so <laughs> that's yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is beautiful. Yeah. Love it. I feel like this episode really captures the soap opera-esque feel that, like, the rest of the show has a little later on, and it's, like, throughout, like, the earlier seasons you get, like, little glimpses of it, and I feel like this is definitely one of those moments, or episodes, where you can see the glimpse of what it's going to be like.
1: Right. What made you decide to come on this episode, though? Because we asked you at the start of the season, like, what
3: episode do you want to join us for? And you picked this one, so... Um, Because it was the most dramatic out of, like, the little bunch that there was around it. So, I mean, it was that, partly just that, and then asking Siri to pick a number between one through twenty-three, or twenty-two, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful. I love it. Well, it's a good episode to come on, honestly. Because we, like, hit every major couple, storyline, and like you said, it really does bring the drama, and I think. It falls into that the soap opera feel. Mm -hmm. Because, like, this show, it's kind of many things. Like, it has like its sweet moments of like coming of age stories, but then it goes to the drama, (laughs) like this episode. (laughs) Or it's more like it's soapy. So,
1: we love our soapy aspects. But, Casey, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, Where can people find you?
3: People can find me on after tree hill on instagram and that's the only platform i currently use so awesome
0: in the spoiler segment you're gonna tell us more about this so those who are interested and want those spoilers (laughs) um feel free to join us in the spoiler segment but casey i know you write scripts yes do you want to just give listeners a little um taste of like what that is
3: yeah, that you do. Yeah, but we'll, we'll talk yeah. more in the
0: spoiler segment.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, right, like as everything started shutting down for COVID, I needed something to keep myself busy. So I started writing a reboot for One Tree Hill, like just on my own time for fun. And I tried to make it like capture all the elements. I don't know. I guess everyone else can be the judge of that. Based on the
1: episode I read, like, I think it pretty much does capture. It's it's more adult than Munchery Hill is, but, like, I don't hate that. Yeah, I
3: was kind <laughs> of pretty... going for that, especially since they are adults now. Like, I didn't want it to feel like just another CW teen drama where they're talking, oddly. Right. Like, I kind of went more for, like, the style that it was, like, something that would be, like, a streamer exclusive, like, HBO, Netflix, Hulu, something like that.
1: Sure. Uh, I love mm-hmm. that, yeah. And can people find those scripts anywhere? Um, or can they find them eventually? Out of place? Yeah,
3: eventually. I'm trying to find somewhere to post them. Um, I'm thinking of, like, making a blog or some sort online. So, like, there's a link oh. that'll redirect to it. I don't know. I have to fully figure out how to get those out there. I mean, the first episode is posted in my Instagram stories. so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But that was I tried to rewrite it at one point and that's what that is. I'm gonna post this one that we'll get more into in the spoilers. I'll post that first episode too. Awesome. Gotcha.
1: So follow so follow you on Instagram and then everybody will be able to find out like all this fun stuff for the future. That's
0: exciting. Thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.
1: We'll see you in the spoiler segments.
0: Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com.
1: I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy.
0: And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on
1: Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us.
0: You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content our private discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners and early episode releases visit patreon.com slash for more information
1: now if you don't want future episodes of one tree hill to be spoiled for you now is the time to turn this podcast off otherwise stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends we'll, we'll be, be seeing you
0: Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers.
1: So this church then, are you talking about Brooke and Julian wanted? So
0: when Lucas and Lindsay get married, it's at that church. Church. And that church is used. Some of the exterior scenes or exterior shots are used for Jamie's school. Yeah, if you pay close attention to that, uh huh. Really? Okay. You'll see. There's like this walk covered walkway that it's like n- coming off of the church or whatever. So you'll see them in that like walkway area with Jamie if you pay close attention. But um, yeah. So those are future seasons.
1: Oh, interced. Is that the, I'm, I'm visualizing this in my head now, the scene where like Haley like punches him off yeah. or pushes yeah. him yeah. off? Yeah, where she gets in the fight. It's like Shucks in mom, the yeah. okay. like, I, I'm actually like, picture in my head. I'm like, oh wow, like yep. that is the same location as And it? I
0: think it's pretty symbolic yeah. that the same church is used for Lindsay and Lucas's wedding.
1: Oh God.
0: <laughs> because obviously.
1: So Brooke and Julian's wedding, is that a different church or do we ever know see we the outside of the church? Outside. I don't even know. Okay. I think
0: it's a totally different location, oh, well, but I, d- I don't really know. I don't think we saw the outside for that one.
1: Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. funny. Okay.
0: <laughs> but otherwise, this is Jules' last
1: episode, which I thought about bringing up during the actual discussion, but I know, like, she's also one of the suspects of people who could have possibly tried to kill Dan. So, like, I didn't want to spoil that, you know?
0: Oh, later on?
1: Yeah, like later on, I, I feel like she she's led on to be like one really? of the
0: suspects. I don't I remember like. that. I, I don't. I, I mean, don't I feel either. like in this
1: episode when she says like one day I want
3: to see somebody take you down. I just I feel like was she? I don't remember her being.
0: I don't remember that One either. of the suspects for the fire, you mean? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe. I mean,
1: I remember like watching this in real time and thinking like maybe Jules could come back. So maybe I'm just projecting a little bit. I don't know. Anybody could have been a suspect. Yeah. Literally, like, it could have been Haley. Like, yeah, like Haley yeah. was a suspect because she came into town at the same time. Yeah. How fucking cool would have been it with <laughs> let's, let's be honest here.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Like,
1: it could have been Haley. It could have been Keith. It could have been Karen, mm-hmm. Deb. Like, literally, any one of these characters could have been the one who torched the place. Andy, too, yeah. because Andy, like, didn't get on his plane. There was, like, this whole confusion. Like, literally, everybody was a suspect, and it was
0: awesome. Oh, I can't wait till we get to that. <laughs> but anyway yes. keith and jules <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like we are kind of left hanging with this storyline it would have been nice to see yeah. a final scene with jules and keith how do you feel about that because uh, it all happens off camera yeah yeah
3: i think the entire situation's only like brought up once in a conversation with keith anyways
0: because he's like, gone for a few episodes yeah looking for yeah
1: He's in the next episode, then he's gone for the rest of the season, aside from that part when he's in the shadows, and it's really creepy. Uh, and, like, the, is it, the, it is the season finale, yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: But, yeah, Keith is gone, and then he, he's he gone for, like, the first half of season three, and then he comes back.
0: Oh, my God. He says
1: that, uh, him and Jules, we, I found Jules, we tried to work it out, uh, but I don't remember what happened, like, was there just no chemistry? I, I don't remember exactly what happened.
0: It's just explained really quickly, and that's that.
3: Mm-hmm. Do you remember k I don't know. <laughs> I think the story gets wrapped up really quickly. I think it's, like, a small, like, one, maybe two-minute thing in an episode in Season 3 during a conversation. I feel like they didn't know what they were doing with it, and they just kind of left it in the air in case they wanted to revisit it later on.
1: hmm I think right, so. Right, for sure. I think they just wanted to wrap it up real quickly because maybe they were just, like, already planning for Keith to die. In the middle of season three, and they wanted, to him, they wanted him and Karen to get together to sort of, like, wrap up, like, their romance, sure. I guess you could say. Yeah, because
3: their romance in season three feels very rushed. Like, it's, like, the span of, like, probably four episodes.
1: Oh <laughs> god, it is, you're
0: yeah, right. it's <laughs> not, it's, it's not much at all.
1: think he comes back in, like, episode 11, and then he dies in episode 16. Mm-hmm. So, ugh. Oh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they ever I talked about, like, having Jules come back or anything, or if it was just, that was that. It's kind of curious, you know?
1: For sure. But she never does! This is her yep, last episode. <laughs> we love you, Maria Menounos, <laughs> and the work that she did. Thank you so much.
0: Her storyline was one of the most shocking things. When we find out that what she was paid to do, initially, I think that's, like, in a top, I don't know, maybe not top five, but...
3: Maybe top fifteen, I say. <laughs> I mean, it's-, it's... definitely in a
0: top ten for me.
1: Because yeah, because there's a lot of shit that happens on this yeah, show. Yeah, especially let's be later
3: honest. on. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of shocking stuff. I don't know. That's just my opinion. This
0: is like the beginning of it. You know. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, this is like the beginning of like
1: soap opera territory that the show can really dive into.
3: Yeah,
1: and. It's always exciting. Yeah,
3: like, this entire season, I feel like, has, like, a different vibe than the first season did, and I feel like that's a vibe that stays around for the rest of the show.
1: Uh for sure. I feel like season one's a little bit more down-to-earth. Like, this is, like, stuff that could- I mean, I guess this stuff could happen, too. Like, <laughs> hiring somebody to break your brother's heart.
3: <laughs> I've never heard that ever happening. <laughs> and I don't know about you guys, but- <laughs>
0: definitely not realistic
1: i mean it hasn't ha- it hasn't happened to me you know yet <laughs> so we'll say
0: <laughs> oh my gosh
1: that it's making me wonder oh my god the the, the the last guy i dated did he break up with me because somebody hired him <laughs> to break my heart i will never know <laughs> Anyway, so, Casey, let's talk about your (laughs) scripts, and we can fully spoil them and tell us, like, tell us a little bit about your inspiration behind them, tell us everything.
3: The inspiration behind them, I originally had pulled it from another idea that I had been working on prior to, like, everything shutting down, and originally, I was also a fan of Nine Hundred Two and 90210, like, the original, original one (sighs) from the 90s, and I originally wanted to write a reboot to that, because I thought the one that came out in 2019 was garbage, and I was like, well, maybe if they did it properly... Uh, B-H-9 or whatever. Yeah. uh, Okay. I thought that that one was completely stupid, so I wanted to write a reboot, but I got (laughs) bored of it really fast, which sounds horrible. And then, like, (laughs) out of nowhere, I remember when I first started writing the first episode of the One Tree Hill reboot, I was at Costco, writing it on the (laughs) Notes app on my phone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I- (laughs) Like, while you were shopping, or? Yeah, I was, like, with my family and everything, and I was just typing it as I was walking. Oh, that is so cool.
1: But but tell the listeners a little bit about, like, the the plot with, like, I guess, like, without revealing too much.
3: I don't exactly know how much time has passed. I mean, probably eight, seven, eight years since where the show had ended. Like, not the extended ending that's, like, on Hulu now, where, like, you see them in the gym and everything, but, like- The other ending, it's hard to explain, but it's like eight years later and then Lucas and Peyton are coming back because I wanted everyone to be there again. Because I feel like that's a major thing that I didn't like about the ending of the show is that they weren't there, which like obvious reasons they weren't there. Um, I wanted to be able to capture the soapy feel of it. And so there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens
1: and a lot of, like, uh, a lot of the reboot, at least in the episode I read, it was, uh, like, it, it centered on a particular original character that you created. Can you talk a little bit about that original
3: character? Like, the backgrounds behind this character? So, the original character I introduced ends up being another, like, sibling of Nathan through Deb. and
1: Nathan through Deb, okay. Yeah,
3: so Deb has another kid. Um, I think I had written him just around Jamie's age. So it would have been, like, right around the time of where there's, like, the time jump. And, like, originally when I had written it, I had pictured that, like, once everybody left, Deb left too. And then she went and, like, started a new life, which I don't know if that actually happened or not. And then, like, she leaves and that's when she would go back to the show. And then that's, it stays, like, kind of stagnant there while she's back at the show. And the original character I created, I had done it because I, A, wanted a character that kind of fit. Like, I feel like I kind of projected a little bit of myself into the character just because, like, obvious reasons. You're creating an original character to go into, like, a world that's already existed for 17, 18 years. And obviously I wanted to, putting myself into the character was also a way of giving diversity to the show. Because he is a gay main (laughs) character that sticks around for the entire reboot. Because we don't get enough of that on the
1: regular show we get Anna for like five episodes and we get that guy that Alex slept with like it's it's nice to see you know
3: yeah I felt like there was not there's never really been good representation in the show and I felt like I wanted to put it in there somehow aren't Deb and Karen a couple no okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) you really crushed their dreams (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) <laughs> I'm just I the idea in your head.
1: Like, make up and Karen hook up, you know? Anyway, i <laughs> <you can go. laughs>
3: I just wanted it to feel like you're jumping right back into the world, but okay. the world gotcha. isn't where it was left, you know? It kind of picks up with the characters' lives then, and obviously they're not going to be in the same place, and they're not going to be doing the same things. So there's, like, career changes with characters. There's, like characters that are might be in new relationships there's characters that get reintroduced throughout time i really also wanted to like hone in on the nostalgic feel because i know that a lot of reboots do that so i did bring back a lot of characters from the original show such as anna
1: oh anna comes back yes wow
3: oh yeah (laughs) later on okay it's definitely in season 10 and then she sticks around for a little bit and like goes back and forth
0: And you have seasons 10 through 14, you said?
3: Yes. And
0: is that the end, 14? Or are you continuing?
3: I have officially written a finale for it, yes.
0: But you haven't shared that with the world yet?
3: Nope. I've shared, like, little teasers on my Instagram stories, but that's it.
1: Okay. Cool. I'm excited.
3: Yeah. I did, like, a little read-through of the complete finale, and it took me about an hour and 30 minutes to get all the way through. And it's, like... 150 pages total, I think. And most of the average episodes are, like... Even for, like, the original show, the episodes would have been, like, 50, 60 pages.
0: That's, like, a movie, then.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it should be a movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, like, obviously, like, a lot of crazy stuff happens, too. Like, I wanted to also be able to put in, like, modern drama. So I got into some controversial topics, too, such as, like, COVID and... Act Lives Matter, and just, like, school shootings, and gun violence, and drugs, and just, like, all of the, like, more recent
0: issues. That is really cool. Wow. That's cool that you're keeping it current, mm-hmm. but also, like you said, the nostalgic factor, you know? Yeah. I love that.
3: And I do create other original characters, like, along the way. There's, like, another person that gets introduced to, like, a friend group, so, like, One thing that I used to kind of play with, like, the different time, like, how it went from the original show, was having, like, two different sets of, like, five main characters to follow. So, like, obviously you have, like, Lucas, Peyton, Brooke, Nathan, Haley, but then the second group is, like, Jamie, Madison, Chuck, Lily, and then Nathan's long-lost brother, Oliver, so.
2: Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and I was able to,
3: it's, like, a dynamic change between, like- these original group of characters versus, like, a new group of characters. And, of course, they have, like, their different side friends, which are, like, equivalent to, like, what Mouth and Skills would have been. And I kind of play on that, too.
0: Wow. That is awesome, though. A lot of thought goes into these scripts.
3: (laughs) Yeah. um, It was a little emotionally draining, Mm at some times. Yeah. How did you get into, like, writing, like, scripts and whatnot? Like, how did... Oh, I've been a writer for a while, and I was just, like, writing, like, books and stuff, and fan fictions, and then I was just, like, script.
1: That is so awesome. What other fan fics do you write? Like, what other fandoms are there?
3: I wrote one based on After, like, the movie on Netflix, and other than that, it's just been mainly One Tree Hill.
1: Okay. Wait, is that where your Instagram handle comes from, After Tree Hill? yes ha, that's cute <laughs> yeah I love it
3: yeah like right when i made the account i had been writing a fan fiction that was supposed to be a cross between the two where like i took characters from that and took characters from this and then like put them in like an original world but that kind of flopped right. so i never finished it um and i like just didn't find the motivation for it but yeah i've always been writing
0: that is really cool
1: yeah i'm excited to see like these fanfics like out into the world like uh, casey sent us like a lot of like the scripts which as i said earlier they're not published anywhere currently but they definitely should be because i want to continue can... reading them yeah <laughs> and i'm like really i'm really holding that hope hold for
3: karen and dem to be a couple i can tell you right now they they don't i can <laughs> i can tell you that now
1: well i guess that is something i could never have <laughs> which is the title of the next episode we will be discussing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, that was clever. That was a great organic yeah, That was, that was, really, good <laughs> that was really, good really good. I wasn't,
3: I wasn't even much. seeing that coming. I, I did either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, that we're, we're going to be discuss next time we're going to be discussing season 2 episode 17 something I can never have. Read the DVD description thing. <laughs>
0: And taken from our OTH DVD (laughs) box sets. Jules has left, and it looks like others are leaving too. Brooke to California, Felix to military school, Nathan looking for Haley, Jake and Jenny on the run from Nikki, and Keith to anywhere but Tree Hill. We'll be seeing ya. We'll be seeing ya.